Hi, people will be on me. So, Avran Album gave me this, uh, this safer this morning. It's the Pachad Yitzchak, Rav Hutner on Chanukah. And it's funny because he, he said to me, if you have it, you could return it. And I went home. I, I thought for sure I had it. I went home. I have every other volume except Chanukah. So, it was Hashkach, and then it happened to be really incredible. I opened up to a piece, Maimer Bey's, his second piece in Pachad Yitzchak, just randomly, and it speaks about Hoda'a. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. So I thought it was. Uh, so I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was a simon from Hakadosh Baruch Hu to maybe do this piece tonight. I also figured it'd be a thinner crowd, so we're gonna do this piece by Rav Hutner, which I I, I, I think is. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to offend anyone. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I thought we would uh, take a look at this piece. And it's really, again, we'll see how much we get through of it tonight. But it's really just a, a beautiful piece by Rav Hutner. Again, it's, it's focused on Hanukkah. But I think as we're going to see, the concepts that Rav Hutner outlines over here are really pertinent throughout the entire year. I mean, no, that's what I'm saying. So I thought, so I thought number one, it's Rosh Chodesh Slave, so we can get started on Hanukkah. Number two is Thanksgiving, and this is a piece on Hodah, on, on Mamish Thanksgiving. So I thought, to put that all together, it's good to have a look. So let's, let's begin. And Rosh Chodesh. And today, Aleph Kislev, right? Today, the first day Kislev. Good. Beautiful. So yeah, we bring it all together. Long story short, it's a good idea to do this piece. That's, uh, so I want to show you something interesting. So if you take a look on page Lamid Beis. Lamed Beis in the handout, so you see where it says Maimer Beis, Perek Aleph. So if you take a look at the underlined lines, he writes this. So here, Rav Hutner really highlights something that I think is, is, is really quite fascinating. Uh, let me just pull it up over in the sitter. Okay. So Rav Hutner says as follows. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> the sitter, the meha kayets. Oh, it's for the summer, <laughs> so it doesn't have alanis in it. Okay. Good. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why someone just said a summertime sitter, but okay, good. For camps. Camps, maybe. Although, it do, anyway, although, it, although, although I'm saying it doesn't look that much thinner than, anyway, a, than a regular so, sitter. Well, there's three pages. Uh, three pages. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. So, have us listen Shabbos to this. Yeah. So, so the so Rafutner points out the following idea that in Shmona Esrei on Chanukah. So, of course, we recite Alanisim, and then the section Bimei so remember again, the section of Matisio, so we speak about the fact that Nezim Matisio, Kohen Godel, with his sons, the Chashmonoim, the, the monarchy, the, the Greek monarchy, went ahead and tried to go ahead and make us forget Torah, to transgress Torah. Then we speak about the incredible miracle that occurred on Hanukkah. So writes Rav Hutner, in the underlined lines, Dim So remember again, what Rav Hutner is pointing out over here is there are two times that we say Alanisim, right? Two times, one by Hanukkah and one by Purim. Now the truth is, at the end of the day, if the, if the matbea, if the framework or the format of Alanisim was the same, both by Hanukkah and by Purim, he, wrote, he writes, Hanukkah. 
So I will say, this is actually very interesting. So just to contrast this, if you look, you'll, you'll take my word for it, but if you look on Alanisim by Purim, right, so you have Alanisim by Purim, and that's always the, same, always the same phrase. So by Purim we have, excuse me, this paragraph that begins, excuse me, there's a Mordechai in Esther, the capital city of Shushan, and then we speak about how Haman rose up against us to go ahead and destroy us. Now how does that, how does that paragraph end? The Salu also bias Banav Allah eats. The end of the paragraph of Alanisim by Purim is that Haman was hanged. What is that right? Haman was hanged? Hung. hung. Right? Haman was hung. Right? Haman and his sons were hung on the tree. That's that's the end. That's the end. So Rafutner makes an interesting observation. He says, if Hanukkah followed the same format as Purim, so then Alanisim of Hanukkah should end how? Should have also ended off with a miracle, namely that what happened to Hanukkah? They tried to go ahead and get, get us to forget religion, transgress religion. Miracle occurred. We overcame them and we kindled the candles in the courtyards of Akadosh of the Beis Hamikdash. That's how it should have ended. Like Purim ends with the miracle, destruction of death of Haman. Hanukkah should have ended with the miracle, the miracle of the menorah. But yet, so I will say this is very interesting. So yet, and again, I, I'm going I'm to take a picture of this and I'll post it on the chat so you can see it. Yet, how does Alanisim by Hanukkah end? Alanisim, so again, I will say, so just so you follow the flow of Alanisim. We speak about Matisio, the Greeks, everything the Greeks tried to do with us, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed us to be victorious. The Acher came, then, then the Chashorim came back to the Beis HaMikdash, cleaned out the Avodah Zara, purified the Beis HaMikdash, and kindled the candles, the menorah, in the courtyards of the Beis HaMikdash. That's where it should have ended. That's where it should have ended. And then it would be symmetrical to Purim. Because how does Alanisim of Purim end? The Salu also, the Esbanov Allah eats. Right? They hung Haman and his sons on the tree. Then it would have been symmetrical. But Hanukkah adds in this extra phrase. How does it end? The Kavu Shmona Simi Hanukkah Elu, the Hodos Ulahala Lishim Chagadol. They established again the eight days of Hanukkah, again to give thanksgiving, to give praise to the great name of Hashem. So asks Rav Hutner, why the distinction? Why is it that by Alanism of Hanukkah, we have this extra phrase? Why, why, why does it have to end with that? Why not keep it symmetrical with Purim and let Alanisim end with a mention of the miracle and now we're done? It's a good kasha. Good kasha. So I'll say, so listen not to that, but also Alanisim of, of Purim tells a story of what happened. But by Hanukkah, it actually doesn't. It, it, it does. It does. It, it, it doesn't. What I would tell you is, remember, here's the difference. Purim, you have a Megillah, right? Purim, you have a Megillah, and you have a very specific storyline, right? Hanukkah, Hanukkah, you don't have a specific storyline. So you're absolutely, in other words, I'm saying good. In other words, Alanism of Purim is much more specific. It's much more specific, as opposed to the Alanism of Hanukkah, which is much, much broader, about the Greeks tried to get us to transgress, but it doesn't, right? Purim is, how one tried to destroy us, right? Correct, but that's because of the nature of the storyline. So we'll say, so look what he writes over here, and, and this is... Of but it's not in Alanisim. I understand what I'm saying. So I'm saying that's 
Another point for the contract. Correct, correct, right. In other words, in other words, it's not. In other words, it would be one thing to say it's omitted because Purim doesn't have it, right. but Purim does have it and it's still omitted. Good, good. So I'll say, so good. It just, just an, in, an interesting, an interesting kasha, an interesting kasha. So let's turn the page now. Let's turn the page now to where it says Parak Beis, which is page Lamed Hay. So I'll say, I was absolutely blown away by this idea about a footnote. We'll see. We'll see how much. We get through of it today. Again, I'm not skipping the other pieces because it's not important. I'm just um, trying to condense a little bit. So look at here. I said, this is incredible. He says, where it says, Perak Beis, underlined there, where it says, Paragraph A. Bebinyan hamilim, shalashna kodesh, nizdamnu lepundak echad shnei musagim. Shabbosah, we're going to see that, interestingly enough, we're going to see that in Lashna Kodesh, in Hebrew, you could have the same word that means two very different things. For example, he says, Havaz chazoka hachzokas toba. Right? So I will say, for example, there's an expression that represents having gratitude. Having gratitude towards someone. Havaz hachzokas toba. Vahazgama lidas hatsadasheni. And then there's also a term about going ahead and essentially um, being indebted. Or admitting something that you owe to someone else. Now he says, "Le'inyan hamusagim halalu yesh pelashon hakodesh bitoy mishutaf hoda." Supposedly, this is an amazing observation. Rav Hutner writes, "There is a word hoda." Now we'll say some about this outside for just a moment. How would you translate hoda? Thanks. Thanks or gratitude. Right, praiseworthy or gratitude. Gratitude. Right? So let's say, but here's what's interesting we're going to see is, and that's correct, let's go at the idea that Hoda, right? It's like, like I will say, like we've seen, right? We know that Jews are called, well, actually, we'll see it, they're called Yehudim. Hoda, Le'imenu. So Hoda means thank you. Hoda also means to admit something. To admit something. And specifically, to admit something to someone else. Okay, so look what he writes. He says, Hodaz Baldin, for example, Hodaz Baldin, what does Hodaz Baldin mean? An admission. So we'll say, essentially what we're going to see is the word Hodah can mean gratitude and it can mean admission. So what does it mean Hodaz Baldin? So we'll say, Perushas, Kamos, Advar, Shal, Tzalashini. So we'll say, what's the paradigmatic example of Hodaz Baldin? Right? I say that I owe you a thousand dollars. You know, what's Talach of Hodaz Baldin? The Megimara says, Hodaz Baldin, Right? One's, one's own admission is like a hundred witnesses. So there's Hoda'a, that's an admission. It's an admission. Perusha, haskama hasheni. I agree with what someone else is saying. Then there's Hoda'a al ha'avar. But there's also, again, Hoda'a on the past. What does that mean? Perusha, havas hachzakas tova That's gratitude. So there's hoda, that's gratitude. Someone has done something for me, and therefore I have hoda. I express my gratitude towards them. And then ultimately, again, there's hoda, which is an admission. Again, the example he's using here is, I admit that I owe something to someone, or I admit that I am indebted to someone. And this is incredible, what I will say. He says, hasbar sashito fazei. So here's what's interesting. So it is fascinating, the same word, means two very different things, right? So in other words, hoda'a gratitude and hoda'a admission. So right, Rav Hutner, Hasbaras hashit of hazehi, ki bitchunas nafshon shal adam, temuna hi hashi'ifa, lihios smucha avsholcha nasmo. Well said, this is such an incredible yusod. More than anything in life, 
What do people want? What do people want? Independence. As you know, they say, you know what the first, the most common first word of children is? Most common first word? No. No. Now, now you could tell them maybe it's monosyllabic. I don't know. I'm sure the speech therapist could explain why, why no. At least on a ruchni level, it's very simple. But say, what does no represent? What does no represent? I'm in charge. Right? No is where we flex our muscles of self-autonomy. So isn't it ironic? I see you've got this, this little kid running around, right? The kid can't go ahead and take care of anything on his own, right? Can't take care of himself, can't take care of anything. Good to see you. I can't take care of anything. And yet what? And yet what? He says no. He says no, right? So I was like, what's the pshat with that? What's the pshat? The pshat ultimately, wow. Gets both. People see you clearly had one, quite a day. No one gave me a cup. So isn't that interesting? How that's the most common first word. It's almost as if like ingrained within us is I want to be independent. You know, say I'll just tell you just just to appreciate how far this goes. Rechaim Shmulevitz. Says something so beautiful. He says that he actually goes. I've, I've quoted this a number of times. But it's one of my, it's one of my, it's, it's a piece that has a dramatic effect on me, like each and every day. Yeah. He discusses the psychology of sin. Right? Why do people commit averus? People commit averus. So the classic answers are gaiva, taiva, right? Arrogance, desire. And Chaim Shlavis has something much simpler. He illustrates this with an example. At the end of, at the end of, I'm sorry, at the beginning of Sefer Malachim, Davar Amaltaz. It was the it was the Haftorah, last week's parsha Chayisara. Davar Amaltaz is on his deathbed, and he calls in Shlomo. He anoints him. And he tells him that he's going to be king, and he gives Shlomo a series of instructions. Among the instructions that he gives Shlomo is, "I need you to take care of Shimi Ben Gera." Okay, who is Shimi Ben Gera? Shimi Ben Gera was a cousin of Shaul, and when Davar Amaltaz is running away because his son Avshalom rebelled. David did not want to go to battle. He wasn't going to do war with his own son. So he would sooner abdicate the throne, run away, than go to battle with Avshalom. So he's running away from Yushalayim. This guy, Shimon ben Gera, comes out, starts cursing at him, throwing claws of earth at him. David's generals are with him, and they're ready to kill this guy. He's marred by Malchus. He's disrespected the monarchy. David Malchus says, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Okay. So fast forward, David Malchus is on his death. But he tells Shlomo, deal with Shimon ben Gera. David dies. First act of business, Shlomo summons Shimi ben Geir. And what does he tell Shimi? Shimi, here's the deal. I'm giving you a palatial estate in Yerushalayim. You don't have to work a day in your life. You're going to be supported at the table of the king. Only one condition. <coughs> You're never allowed to leave Yerushalayim. And the day you leave Yerushalayim, literally again, your blood is on your head. You're going to, I'm going to kill you. It's your own responsibility. But I'm going to ask you this. If somebody offered you a palatial estate in Yerushalayim, right, and a credit card with no with no limit, and there's one condition: you can never in your life leave Yerushalayim Yerak Kodesh. Rosai, sign me up, sign me up, right? You had me at Yerushalayim, right? In other words, that that like what's 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 the shaila? So okay, Shimi says, "Oh, thank you so much, wonderful." Next parak, what happens? What happens? The Navi says. One of Shem Ben Gera's servants escaped, ran away. Shimi gets on his donkey, runs after him, and sure enough, leaves Yerushalayim. Shlomo says, oh, we made a deal, and he executes Shimi Ben Gera. So Chaim Shlomo says, obviously, this was a setup. Like, in other words, Shlomo knew that he wouldn't be able to abide. So why couldn't he abide? Why couldn't he abide? 
So we'll say, so Rechaim Shalom says something amazing. He says, because at the end of the day, Yerushalayim is the most wonderful place in the world if you're there of your own volition, if you're there of your own choosing. But the moment that someone tells you you have to do something, it's only a matter of time until when? Till you find a way to flex your own muscles of self-autonomy. That, that's human nature. We see this, by the way, anyone who raises children, we know this, right? Anything you tell your children they cannot do, and the harder you come down on them, the more they're going to want to do it. Not even because they want to do it. Not even because they have such a desire for this thing. But because, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me, because when you tell me what to do, you stifle my personalistic autonomy. And a person is going to find a way. So Chaim Shavit says something absolutely amazing, which when you first read it, it's like shocking, a little bit abrasive, and hard to digest. But then like, when you take it and you're like, wow, that's really right. Because you know why we sin? Do you know why we sin at the end of the day? Listen to this, you know why we sin? Because at the end of the day, what I'm really saying is, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I know you're God. I'm Shmuel Silver. I'm Shmuel Silver. Don't tell me what to do. Right? You, you, you mind your business. I'll take care of me. You, mind, you take care of you. I'll take care Now, it sounds crazy when you say it. Right? I'm telling God, don't tell me what to do. That is the entire psychology of hate. I don't want to be told what to do because more than anything, I want independence. So write your footner. And I'll say, by the way, so true. When you write, when you it's begin, so to, and it, 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 when you write after you like take a moment just to digest it, it's so true, right? As well say, I, I just look at my own life and like there are so many things that I've done that the truth is, if I just delve deep down into my subconscious, what is it? Because I had too much desire, too much. Well, I could, I'm not an animal. I could control myself. It's I don't want to control myself because it sounds strange. I don't want to control myself because I want to show that I am in control. I don't want to control myself because if I control myself, that means I'm bending my will to someone else or to something else. And I don't want that. That's unnatural for me. I will say, by the way, it's healthy that it's unnatural. You know why it's unnatural? You know why it's unnatural? Because man is made b'tselem elokim. Man is made in the image of God, which means that the traits that a Kaddish Baruch Hu has, Kiviyachal, I have them as well. Well, guess what? Kaddish Baruch Hu is independent. Kaddish Baruch Hu relies on nothing and no one. So there's a part of me that yearns to be that same exact way. You see, it's such an incredible insight into the psychology of sin. So if Hurtner writes over here, he says something amazing. He says, because at the end of the day, he says, What I want more than anything is just to be independent. That's what I want. I want to be an independent individual, not reliant on anyone else. And we'll say, Chazal also speak about this. I don't want to be helped. I don't want to be helped. I don't want to be reliant. I don't want to be dependent. I just want to be totally and fundamentally independent of everyone and everything. Now listen to this. Here's the problem. And I will say, here's what's interesting. In the moment that I say thank you to someone for something they've done for me, I will say, what does that show? What's happened in that moment, right? I'm dependent. Or at least I've demonstrated that now I've benefited from something that you've done for me, which at least on some level means I need you. I'm not independent. I'm not independent. But also, Shah, Yesh Khan Hodas Baldin, Kiba Pamazos, Amnam Lo Alsa Biyado. So as I will say, this is such an incredible idea. See, I just want to show you what, what Fortner did. Right? First of all, said there are two different definitions to the word hoda. There's gratitude and admission. 
But the truth is, they're really one and the same. Because in the moment that I express gratitude for something that someone did for me, is in the same exact moment that what? That I admit that what? That what? They me. That they helped me. And if I admit that they helped me, then what? I'm not independent. I'm not independent. He goes on, he says, give me one second. He says, The moment that I express my gratitude to someone, In that moment of expression of gratitude, there's also an admission. There's also an admission. Right? And what's the admission? I wasn't able to accomplish something on my own. I wasn't able to do something on my own. And therefore, again, by definition, I have to be dependent on someone else. His friend could have just beat him to chase though. could have done it himself. I could have, but at the end of the day, I didn't. See, I think that's the chap of here also. In other words, you're, so, so Akiva is saying, good. What about a case where I didn't, I didn't need Ruvain, I didn't need him to do something for me. Someone is saying, see, human nature is such that at the end of the day, if you did it for me, you did it for me. In other words, I helped you. So based on where I am right now, I only am where I am because you did what you did. Granted, if you didn't do it, I could have done it on my own also. Right. But Lamaisa, right now, Lamaisa, I am where I am because of what you did. So they're both saying, yes. Independence also. Uh, uh, That's good. Independence also on a lack of obligation. I'm not obligated to somebody. Yeah. What, say, start again, start again. Independence also, the lack of obligation. Absolutely. Again, it, it's once somebody's done something for me, I'm obligated. I, I know, it's, to it, say thank. You. It's the assault of Sony Matano right? The idea is, what, what do you mean, right? right. I, I've always, it's always interesting. Who doesn't love getting a gift? Who doesn't love getting a gift? But Chazal is teaching us something incredible: that gifts impair your independence, because by definition, and again, this goes to your point as well. Even though I don't need the gift, I don't need the gift, but now that I got it, there's a certain feeling. Feeling or and dependency. Why judges can't right? I'm sorry. So like, judges can't a hundred percent because it just it changes everything. Hundred percent. Remember what were you going to say? Well, it sounds like gratitude then could be the, the root of animus of humility. Yeah. Say. Go ahead. Speak it out. Well, because once I recognize that you've done something for me, then then I'm not in charge of everything myself. Oh. I have to rely on, on you. And I'm, I'm dependent. Yeah. I'm dependent. Absolutely. And that and that we're going to see. That's where Hurtner's going with this. So I just want to show what, what he's just done. I will say, by the way, if, I don't know if you've ever learned Pachad Yitzchak before, just the, the style that Rav Hodner utilizes is, is absolutely beautiful. Again, some of it is, you know, Rav Hodner takes much of his style from Rav Kook as well. So just like Rav Kook, again, sometimes wrote in the esoteric, a lot of Rav Hodner's Pachad Yitzchak is also a bit in the esoteric. But again, he did something just amazing over here. Took one word, and I will say again, now you see why, like, again, it's, I, I mentioned this before about that film, you know, whatever, however you celebrate or don't celebrate Thanksgiving, it doesn't make a difference. That's up to you. But Lamaisa, again, that there is a, it's, it's Kidai, right? A Yid has to learn something from, from every day, from every experience. So if it's Thanksgiving, there's something to be learned from the concept of Hoda. So Rafutim tells us again, it's fascinating, just the progression. Hoda, one word, two definitions. Gratitude, or, or, what was the admission. word we used? Admission. Uh, admission. Um, I used a different. Did I use a different word before? Um, admit something. Yeah. Okay. We'll go with admission. Good. Gratitude and admission. Right. But the admission, the admission piece, is really that I admit that I owe you something, which really is I admit that I have a level of dependency on you. 
And now, again, Rav Hotem says, if you bring them all to, both together, essentially, again, like Ramat was saying, when you express gratitude to someone for something, by definition, the expression of gratitude is also, uh, is also a statement of an admission of indebtedness, which by definition means that I am a dependent and not independent. Now, of course, it doesn't have to mean that I'm fully dependent, right? There, there, there are levels, but the point that I'm that he's making over here is I'm not as fully independent as I thought I could be. So he goes on. Bofen, Bofen shashoresh hanafshi. If you turn the page, ha'omok shall call ha'vaas toda humay soda va'achas kama v'kama. So now remember, up until this point, Rav Hutner is talking about this entire idea, Bein Adam Lechavero. Right? So again, in the Bein Adam Lechavero, when I express my gratitude to someone, by definition, the gratitude creates an admission of indebtedness as well. indebtedness. If this is true in interpersonal relationships, then by definition, how true it is in our, in our bin Adam Lamakum as well, in our relationship to Hashem. There's a gratitude, and then there's an admission of indebtedness to Hashem. So I will say, he does something absolutely amazing over here. Take a look at paragraph Vav. Skip a little bit. He says, Inyan zeh, machnis havlata miyuchedes bekfelos musag hauda, besignuna shel berchaus hauda bishmana esrei. So Rav says, the truth is, you can see this dual dynamic in Modim of Shemona Esrei. I'll say, watch what he does over here. This is incredible. Hamascheles, Modim Anachnulach. So how does Modim begin? Modim Anachnulach. I'll say, how do you translate Modim Anachnulach? Right? Or how do we normally translate it? Grateful. Thank you, Hashem. Right? In fact, let's see. Let's see, let's see how they translate it here. Right? We give thanks to you. Modim Anachnulach. We give thanks to you. Okay. Fine. And then what's interesting, and then I will say, what happens? Just a few lines later, we say, which I will say, says again, we will thank you and declare praise to you for our lives. Right? We will thank you and declare praise to you. So again, I will say, so you have to ask yourself, it's repetitive, No. We thank you, Hashem. And then a few phrases later, We thank you and we'll tell over your praise. So I need both of those phrases. I will say, this is incredible. So I will say, first of all, just a beautiful insight into davening. He says, Even though the word means both gratitude as well as what, right? It means gratitude. Literally, again, I should say, let's work backwards. It means I admit, I admit to something with another party. Either I admit that I agree, I admit that I owe, but there's some type of admission, admission to a second party. And it also means, again, a sense of gratitude. So we'll say, this is incredible. What Rafutner is going to write over here is as follows. What he explains is like this. So the word, the word hoda, again, means gratitude and also means admission. So what's the shayla? How do you know which hoda means what? So Rafutner says, you have to look at it in the sentence. And I will say, this is so beautiful. He says, When, when modim or when hoda is used as an expression of gratitude. Hare hu mekushar imashal acharov ayidei tevas 
Al. Shabbos say, listen to this. When modim is used as an expression of gratitude, it's always followed by the word al. What does al mean? Right? For or about. Right? Shabbos say, so right? So, so, that's, so that's ultimately, again, how you know. So modim al. Dahainu shach zokos hatovahi shasisa imadi kach vekach. Modim, I have gratitude. Why? Al, for whatever it is that you've done for me. Ubazeh. Tevas al avor right al means because of ve'elu shall say so ve'elu so that so therefore again if you find modim followed by al that means that modim is used as an expression of gratitude ve'elu shakavoni he askamaladaitoshlatzadasheni but when hoda is used as what as an expression of admission harihumikusher imashalacharov al yedei haos shin. Right, so I will say, when hoda is used as an admission, so she, right? She means she means what? Because because I right, I have hoda, i.e., I admit that I am indebted to you. She because because. So watch this. He says kigon ruvein modesh uchay l'shemen. I will say gives an example, right? So for example, if we want to say ruvein admits that he owes money to Shimon. so I will say, how would you say that on l'shen akodesh? Ruvein modesh. Shehu Chayiv Ruvain. That he is She, that's that She, that he is obligated to Ruvain. So we'll say, watch this. This is so beautiful. So we'll say, so what happens, Sha'ata? What does that mean if it's She? What does that mean? What kind of modem is it? What kind of modem is it? Admission. So right, I will say. So listen to this. Hare Pirusha Shalodazu Shuba Muvan Shalodaz Baldin. So I will say, isn't this incredible? So what's the opening phrase of Modim? See, I will say, I want to tell you, it's translated wrong according to Rav Hutner, right? Every single sitter translates it as Modim Anach Nulach. We thank you, Hashem. No, Modim Anach Nulach means I admit to you, right? I admit to you that you are my God. First start with that. Right? First start with that, right? I will say, by the way, because it's much easier to thank a Kodesh Baruch Hu for stuff, right? I will say, this is huge. But I just want to tell you something. It is incredible that I think every single English sitter in the world translates this incorrectly, at least according to Rav Hutner, right? And again, obviously you, you could see I, not everybody agrees with this, but I will say, but what, what an incredible idea. So in the Brach of Hoda, so I just want to point out also, it changes everything also because remember, this section, remember, Shmona Esrei, Shmona Esrei has Shavach, Bakasha, and Hoda'a. Praise, request, petitional request, Hoda'a. Now we always translate Hoda'a as what? As what? Thanksgiving. Right? Thank, giving thanks. Giving thanks. Now we'll say, wow, no, 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 no. That means, yes, but that's only part of it. Hoda'a is gratitude, expression of thanks, and an admission as well. And Rav Hutner posits that Modim actually begins with the admission. Modim anach nulach she ato hu Hashem elokeinu velokei avosinu liolam vaed. Because we'll say, by the way, even it works better. What does it mean? We give thanks to you, Hashem, that you are our God and the God of our fathers for for all eternity. What? What does that mean? Giving thanks, right? Good job, God. Shkayach, God. That you're the eternal God. No, it's an admission. It's an admission. I'm moda. I I admit. Now I will say. Now remember again. What happens when you admit something? What happens when you admit something? What are you giving up? Independence. Independence. Wow. Wow. 
So it turns out, Avosai, that the first step in expressing true gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not a thank you. It's admitting that I'm a dependent. Right? Avosai, by the way, and you see this also in human relationships as well. Right? In other words, sometimes people have difficulty saying thank you. Right? They just have difficulty just, just relaying a sense of gratitude when people do something. Why does that, where does that come from? Because I don't want to admit in any way that I am dependent. So therefore, I'm not going to say thank you. Because thank you means something you did helped me, which then can mean that I need you. I don't want to be dependent. So it's incredible. The first step to an attitude of gratitude is not an expression of gratitude, but it's an expression of dependence. By the way, this fly has been in the show. For, it's the same one. It's the same one. It's been, I'm telling you, no, no, I'm telling you, it's like a Gilgal. It's someone. It's someone who's learned. I'm telling you, literally, I killed it four times. I killed it four times. It's like, I don't know. I should have like the, the, the endurance of this fly. So again, so, so, right, exactly. Thank you. Isn't it incredible? Just by the way, just from a definitional perspective. So, that's the first step. That's the first step. So, that's how you know the difference. When you see modim, hoda, she, because, when there is a because, that means that the hoda is an admission of an admission, an admission of dependence. So, modim, again, Hashem, I admit that you are my God, the God of my fathers. And therefore, that admission by definition means that I'm yielding independence and ultimately, again, recognizing, totally cognizant that I'm independent of the Ribbon Now, conversely, conversely, he says, Because there's a She, therefore we see the hoda that's here is a hoda of admission, not a hoda of gratitude. Now, what could you? Is it like bittel or is it not? It is bittel. In other words, bittel is even like the next step because bittel is a is a total sublimation of the self. Before you can get to that, you actually at least you have to begin to recognize a dependency, right? In other words, if I can't admit that I'm a dependent and by definition give up some of my independence, bittel is impossible. Bittel is impossible. So, 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 Rafotner goes on. He says, So, we'll say, now look at the second modem. What's the second modem? So, I'll have hoda to you. Speak about your greatness. Now, what does al mean? Four. Whenever you see al, what does that mean? Gratitude. She is she is she is in, not indebtedness. What's the what's the word I was using? Admission. Thank you. She is an admission which yields dependence. Right. All is gratitude. All is gratitude. All is says no delchal al chayim al chayim b'shem yadecha haria kavani he b'muvan carbon toda v'yuuyon od rashi al amirasa shalea pam od es Hashem. So I say. So remember again. So what happens? V'hosif rashi alzeh shenet. So here's what's interesting. Where do you see? So, so again, Rav Hotner kind of keeps going back and forth with this. So what he points out is, 
The word hoda could have two independent meanings, and sometimes again, those two independent meanings kind of converge on, on in one in one joint meaning, right? So da could mean again, admit, admit that someone has done something for me. Therefore, and in doing so, give up a piece of my independence by recognizing that I am dependent. That's part one. Part two, ultimately, again, is an expression of gratitude. Now, again, Sora Futner says those two phrases can be looked at differently, right? For example, in Modim, I have Modim Anachnulach She'ata. So what's that? What's that? That's I admit. I admit, I admit to you, Hashem, because you are Hashem, my God. I admit that I am dependent on you. No is how do I thank you for the life that you've given me. But then our footnote goes back. He says, but sometimes those two words could once again coalesce into one joint meaning. For example, Leah Imeo names her fourth son Yehuda. Why did she say Yehuda? What, what does Yehuda mean? Hapam odas Hashem Hoda. Everybody say, what does Hoda mean in this context? Thank you. So, Rav Hutner comments, it really means both. On one, it means thank you for the child you've given me. But remember, Rashi says, why does Leah mean, why does she say thank you, not son number four? Why not son number three, number two, number one? Why? Because she recognized there are four wives. There are going to be 12 Shvatim. So, what should be the distribution, right? We assume that again, each wife has three sons. Now that she has a fourth son, what does she recognize? That she's been given more than her portion. So she admits, she admits, I've been given more than what I'm entitled to. So Yehuda, Yehuda is a combination of the two. It's a gratitude for what I've been given, but also an admission, an admission that I don't deserve all that I have. And what I have does not come about because I've earned it, but it comes about because of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's good graces. So really what Rav I think is driving at over here is, that if you think about it, every hoda, every act of gratitude has this duality to it. There's a gratitude that someone has done something nice for me. And at the same time, whenever someone does something nice for me, included in that is what? I now am who I am because of something that someone else did. Which means I didn't accomplish everything in my life on my own. Which by definition makes me dependent. And if I'm dependent, it by definition means that I am not independent, right? Which again, 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 as was mentioned before, ultimately paves the way towards humility. So they're intertwined. Yet it is interesting to see that in Modim, it's a progression, right? In Modim, the first step of Haudah is admission that you're dependent. And I will say, here's what's amazing. See, once you admit that you're dependent, then what? Then you can suddenly go ahead and see all of the beautiful brachas that Hamish Baruch gives you. See, if you don't admit that you're dependent, often you just simply can't see certain things. But if you can admit it, then there's no telling ultimately again what you could see. Incredible. I have a question. Are they okay? Yes. Or statement. Um, and this is not for this class, but it's related to it, and I wish you would speak to it at some point in the future. And that is, you talk about doing something for somebody, and they say thank you. What happens when you do something for somebody, and they don't say thank you? And then, the per- the me, the act- action person, gets angry the person didn't. And it, what, what's going to be a beautiful thing is now turned into a Something's mess. so right. And, it ha- and what, I had a rabbi one time tell me, because I was telling him, I just can't believe how you've you know, been able to handle this particular situation. He says, Matt, if you don't have any expectations of others, you'll live a happy life. 
Because every single, not every time, but a lot of times, often, often when you have expectations of what, and it's a matter of me being right, because I'm a bright person, and that, that person should do what I think is right, and he didn't, I get disappointed. You know where it happens a lot? I mean, you're not going to want to hear this. You already know it. It happens in rabbinic congregate relations. You hear it all, you know, the rabbi should have come seen me. I've been here 25 years. You know, it's the expectation. Right. Right? So could you, like, one day talk? Because I think that just ruins About rabbinic expectations? <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm saying the general expectation of others right. is, a, is, a, is the detriment of many relationships. A 100%. So, look, the, the truth is that probably deserves a sheer on its own. Saying. But yeah. I will tell you, like, the quick answer is, I think, I think the Eitsa of, the Eitsa of, not having expectations of people, you know, when you say it, it sounds like a little bit of a downer. It does. Right? So I, I would reframe it a little bit. I think the way to look at it is you never do something good in life because you're going to think someone's going to recognize it, appreciate it, or say thank you for it. You do what's right in life because it's right. Right. Because, and by the way, the greatest example of this is Moshe Rabbeinu. How many thank yous do you think Moshe Rabbeinu got from Cloud Israel during his 40 years of leadership. Oh, zero. Right? I'm sure there's one guy, like, you know, good Russia rabbi, you know, whatever, like, you know, <laughs> like, like something. But the truth is, yet Moshe Rabbeinu led a successful life. And I think part of Moshe Rabbeinu's koach was, you got to do what you got to do. And other people's reaction or lack thereof doesn't change the correctness of my action. See, I think all too often, what motivates us to often do the right thing is the reaction we're going to get from other people. The popular vote. Right, popular vote. In other words, and, and, and by the way, there's something wrong with that. In other words, I, I want to do good also because I want to create relationships. So part of that relationship is I do something nice for you. You say thank you. There's a connection right. that's now created. So now when I do something nice and you don't react and the, react, the, the relationship is not like, why, why did I bother with all of this? But that's because my mindset is for, I don't do the right thing to create a relationship. I do the right thing because it's the right thing. And if you just approach it like that, whether you recognize what I did or not, makes absolutely no difference. No difference. That's the ideal. That's the ideal. And the truth is, like, you see great people operate this way. And, and it also has a lot to do also with, like, um, I think it's also tethered to, like, a healthy sense of confidence. Because mm-hmm. there are those of us who, like, really need approval from other people. So if you really need approval and you don't get it, often you feel sour towards someone else. But really, what I, what I really need to be focusing on is, I should just be more confident in me. Like, I don't need you to give me a shkayach. I, I, I should say, I shouldn't need you to give me a shkayach to feel good about myself. I should feel good about myself because I'm living a good life and I'm happy with who I am. Right. So a lot, of, a lot of these things are all intertwined. So I, I, like, I sometimes think when people have those kind of reactions, it's often like, it's often like and I've been on the receiving end of some of those rabbinic reactions uh, of things. And I think a lot of times it's just like, it's just stuff that people have going on inside inside of themselves that's just unresolved but I think to your specific question do the right thing because it's the right thing the reaction is that you, you can't control what other people do but you can control what you do right. and once again I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying I, I've not mastered this by any stretch of the imagination but once a person is able to get to that you become like Moshe Rabbeinu right I, I think every day you know like the Medrash says the Medrash says that no matter what Moshe Rabbeinu did he got attacked right you know the Medrash says Moshe Rabbeinu, if he put on a few pounds, the Medrash says, people say, oh, you see he's putting on weight. No, he's putting on weight. 
because he's skimming money off the top. So he's living large. He's living large off us. Or Moshe Rabbeinu pitched his tent outside of the camp. They said, impossible for a man to live a celibate life. He must be carrying on with someone else's wife. They said, Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. They're saying Moshe Rabbeinu is skimming off the top. Moshe Rabbeinu is, is engaging in illicit relationships. And you think Moshe Rabbeinu didn't hear it? You think he didn't hear it? Anyone else would have said, you know what? I don't need this. God, remember, I told you no at the bush. Right? I, I, t- I told you no, like repeatedly at the bush. Repeatedly. I'm done. But Moshe Rabbeinu understood that. Like, what other people think or what they feel or what they say makes no difference if you are 100% self-assured that what you're doing is correct. And that was the greatness of Moshe, right? Right. He, that, that's how he was able... Was, there were moments when he had enough, but in general, he was just able to carry forward because like, he was so sure of his mission. Now, it helped that God spoke to him. Yeah. yeah. I, I, okay, I got it. I, I, okay. Some interactions you have with people that you don't know if it's the right thing. Unless they say thank you or anything, it's like, well, is that the room? Maybe they didn't. Well, yeah, look, you, you know, know I, I think what Ramad is describing is often is often like in situations where, and it happens to all of us, like you do something objectively nice for someone, and they may not even like recognize it or acknowledge well, it. Just acknowledge, just like like, do you know what I did? You know, and I'm saying in a case where they do know, they know. right? If they don't know, they don't know. I, I, I deposit hundred dollars by someone's door. They have no idea. Okay, that's a matan of a say, sir. But then they, they do know. But again, it's so it's frustrating. But at the end of the day, I do what I do, not because I'm going to get a shkoyach, but because it's the right thing. I think. I think. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you for that. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah. So, so let's, let's finish this up. Let's finish this up. Yes. Leah saying because I think he said that. She had to, when she said because she realized she got more than she was entitled to by recognizing she got more than she was entitled to she realized that she was never entitled, entitled to anything and that's why and that was the, and she, that she thought she was independent because she was she, was, she earned three shvatim right when she had the fourth she realized she never even earned the third that's a beautiful that's a beautiful idea it's a beautiful idea so you're saying maybe when she got more than she was quote unquote entitled to I realize that I'm entitled to nothing. And that's when the independence, she, she that's thought beautiful. she had independence and then she really That's had. beautiful. That's beautiful. In other words, that, that, that true dependence only comes when you dispense with any semblance of entitlement. Which is true. Which is true. Don't we see this contemporarily in society, right? When there is such a sense of entitlement, such a sense of entitlement, right? You're unable to be, you're unable to be what is it? You're unable to be. Huh. Let's say, let's play that back again. So Leah Imenu, you want to say up until Yehuda, so she had this thought that she was independent. She, she was. Independent. Well, she was entitled. She was entitled. And, she was and therefore, she's independent. In other words, the entitlement makes me independent. I'm, I'm entitled to three. Well, right. So it's Magiali. In other words, she, she, she maybe she's missing. Entitlement makes me that I can't become independent. Well, so, entitlement means, oh, I'm, de- I'm, I'm dependent. dependent. No, but by saying that she's uh, entitled, entitled to three, she recognizes that, uh, that it's Hashem giving it to her, but the entitlement is... It's like Magia Yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's mine. It's mine. In other words, I always say it's coming from uh, Hashem, but it's mine. It's mine. As opposed to once Yehuda comes along and she got more than, quote-unquote, her entitlement, so you're saying it sends like the whole entitlement theory like da- down the drain. Because we're asking why she waited until four. Right. Like, uh, my life is never transferred. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's... it's, it's, a, it's uh, is, that, is that true? I just football. Right, so, but that, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That may, maybe, again, maybe part of the challenge we have is this sense of entitlement, which... So it's interesting, right? So what you see, we're really saying, like, but if you're entitled to something, that entitlement is coming from someone, so doesn't that make you dependent? But no, it's not true, because if it's Magiali, Magiali, like, I, 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 this is mine. I, I got it, it's coming from someone, but, but it belongs to me. And then once you realize that you're entitled to nothing, then by definition you realize how truly dependent you are. Beautiful. 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 So I will say, so just if you bring this full circle, but is this not an incredible piece? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, no, I, 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 I said, somebody just gave me the safe this morning. Everyone else gave it to me. And I said, thank you. I said, thank you for the gift. I said, thank you. And I said, so, on Hanukkah, Hanukkah, I just happened to open it up to my Mabez. It's about Thanksgiving. I said, Mama, should submit from Hashem. Submit from Hashem. So, let's finish this up. So, remember again, let's go full circle now, just to kind of close this out. So, remember again, I will say, how do we start? Right? How do we start uh, an hour ago? How do we start? Right? So, right, Alanisim. So why by Hanukkah, why by Hanukkah does it have this extra, fa- extra phrase? The whole ghost will halalishim chagot. In other words, as opposed to Purim, where Alanisim just ends with v'salu osoves bonav alaits, the miracle. Hanukkah, it should have just ended how v'liku neros pechazros kachecha. End it there. Why do you have that last phrase? V'kavos kavushmonos mechanukah elu lahodos. So now here's what's fascinating. So I'll tell you the rest is outside. This is so beautiful. He says, what did, what did, well, actually, let's take a look. Take a look on page Lama Zayin, the last paragraph there, before Maimar Gimel. Hashem the name Yehudim comes from Yehuda, that we have gratitude to Hashem for all of his chasadim. Mikomakom, v'shoresh Hashem nimsegam inyon hoda'as baldin. But again, remember, as Rafutnu just said before, the name Yehuda hoda'a has both elements of hoda'a in it, right? Has gratitude that Le'i Emenu is saying, and also what? An admission, an admission that she has received more than her portion, which by definition also means that she is indebted to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Watch this. He says... When we speak about the Hoda of Hanukkah, what's the Hoda for? What's the Ikra Hoda? Gratitude. What's the gratitude for? What's the gratitude for? Miracle. Miracle. Which miracle? Oh, it's yeah. not even about the oil so much, right? That, that's not really what the Oda is. The Oda really is on the military victory. Kesh Baruch Hu to overcome the Syrian Greeks. Now watch this. Mikol makom bishorasha shel hodazu ganus gam inyon shel hodaz baldin. But there's also an admission, ultimately again, of Hoda. A Hoda of admission. How so? And this is actually, and I didn't even realize this until tonight when I was learning this piece, which is as follows. This is incredibly tied into Inyan Adiyoma. This week's parasha. What happens? What happens? Yaakov even gets the brachas from Esav. And I will say, 
Here's what's interesting in the parasha. Right? right, when you read the parasha, you read the whole story of Yaakov Inu masquerading as his brother, getting the brachas. What's the one question that lingers in your mind? Sheker. Right, first of all, how come Yesenik didn't figure it out? Sheker, like this doesn't seem to be true. Sorry? Ganav, right? Theft. He didn't earn it. What else? Like, fundamental question is like, did it work? Like, Yaakov got these brachas from his father, but like, you can't steal blessings, right? You, you know, in other words, you can't steal blessings. You can't steal blessings. He giving it to him. He, right. and remember, Yitzchak thought he was giving it to Esav, right? He thought it was Esav. All right, he was a little bit suspicious of what's going on over here, but he thinks he's giving it to Esav. So the Shaila, the Shaila is like, like, what do you do with the story? Like, and, and, and the parish itself doesn't really, in other words, Yitzchak says the words after Yitzchak is confronted with the fact that Yaakov dressed up as Esav, he says, Gam Baruch Yehiyah, which Rashi interprets as Yitzchak Avinu affirming the brachas that he gave to Yaakov. But the truth is, Rav points out that the real moment that Yaakov Avinu's right to the brachas was affirmed was when? Fast forward, fast forward to next week. Uh, fast forward two weeks, Parashios. Parashios Vayishlach, where Yaakov Avinu fights with the Malach. He fights with the Ish, the mysterious man. Rashi points out who was the issue, who was the man? Sir Esau's angel. And what happens at the end of that fight? Right, the Malach is trying to take, overtake Yaakov. Yaakov holds his ground. Right, he's injured. But what happens? But what happens? Ultimately, again, the Malach renames, he renames Esau, uh, renames Yaakov. He renames Yaakov. And he says, your name, your name is no longer Yaakov. Rather, what's going to be your name? Yisrael. Yisrael. So Rashi and Chazal point out, that it's in that moment that the angel of Esav admitted to Yaakov that the brachos were rightfully his. Yeah. That, that was the moment that the brachos were concretized. And Rav Hortner says this becomes a model because the Ramban already says that the fight between Yaakov and the ministering angel of Esav was a maisa of a simulabanim. It was a foreshadow, a biblical foreshadow, that the descendants of Yaakov are going to fight with the descendants of Esav. But yet, at the end of the day, we will remain holding, we'll hold our ground. We'll remain standing in the morning, but we get injured. We get injured along the way. Rav Hartner says something amazing. Every single time the nations of the world try to rob us of our spiritual identity, and we stand our ground, they are mode to the fact that we were the proper recipients of Yitzchak Avinu's bracha. Every time we struggle with the nations, but we hold our ground, there's a hodah, there is an admission from Esau, from the other nations, that we are the true recipients of the bracha. Is us holding the ground an admission, or them trying to... It's both. Oh. Both. In other words, you only hold your ground when someone's trying to take it away from you. No, but I meant, is the fact that they are trying to, you know, destroy us, is that an admission that we got the bracha and that we... That there's no, something that, to destroy us that just means they want it. They hate us. Why, why is the... I think. So what's the admission? In other words, the, the, the admission is acknowledgement. After they try to stamp us out and we hold our ground, we don't give up. I mean, that we were successful. That, correct. That then, we were then, successful. then they have to admit that we are the true recipients of the bracha of Yitzchak Avinu. Because we were successful. Correct. Because we held our ground. 
So Rafortner says something amazing. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's that's the way that he acknowledges that that Yaakov was entitled to brachos, but he stood his ground. Yeah, because he because he remained standing the next morning, because since he was unable to defeat him, because remember that's when he changes his name, right? You're not going to be called Yaakov, right. rather Yisrael. Kisarisa im Elokim banashim batuchal. You fought with an angel. And you, Vatuchal, you were able, you were successful. So the moment that we engage in the struggle and we are successful in the struggle, that's when the Malach says, you know what, you deserve those brachas. Isn't it more when, but, but we're trying to establish how, how he, he was entitled to from Yitzhak. Wouldn't it be that before he left, before he fled, that Yitzhak and Rikla gave him a bracha before he left at the end? No, of the because the real, acknowledge, the, the real concretization of the bracha comes when even Esav admits that Yaakov is the rightful owner of the brachas. Not, not even, even Yitzchak. Not even Yitzchak. Correct, correct. It's undisputed. It's undisputed, essentially. It's undisputed. In other words, once Esav is moda, then by definition, the brachos are no longer in dispute. Correct, correct. He's no longer in dispute. So we'll say, get ready for this. Get ready for this. Says Rav that's the meaning of the last phrase in Alanisim. The kavosh monis meichanukah elu, lahodos. I will say, what does hoda in this context mean? Hodara partner posits does not mean gratitude. It means admission. You know what the greatness of Hanukkah is? That the nations of the world, that Esav, admits that we are the rightful heirs of the brachos of Yitzchak Avinu. Why? Because ultimately, what does the first part of that, what does the first part of Allah and Isim say? Right, they rose up against us, to do all terrible things. Right, they wanted to eradicate Yiddishkeit, to eradicate spirituality. What did we do? We stood our ground. And what happens when a Jew is spiritually challenged by the nations of the world and holds his ground? There's a hodah. That's when Yaakov becomes Yisrael. There's an admission that you are the true recipients of that bracha. And says Rav Hutner, that's the lahodos there at the end of Allah Nisim. That hoda'ah is not a hoda'ah of gratitude, but that hoda'ah is ultimately an admission on part of the nations of the world, on the part of the nations of the world, that we are the true heirs of that bracha. He goes on, he says, he says, even though again, toda normally translate as gratitude, since we stood strong in the in the in the in the in the we stood up to the persecution of the Greeks to go ahead and try to eradicate our religion. Ultimately, again, Esav has to admit that we are truly Israel, that we are not Yaakov, that we are Israel. And that we are the true, the true heirs to the brachos of Yitzchak Avinu. Lo Yaakov ye'amra od shimcha kiim Yisrael. I will say an incredible, incredible idea. So a totally different understanding. So first of all, let's just kind of bring this all together. We'll get from our footner. So first of all, just in terms of Alanism itself, a new appreciation of how to understand that last phrase. The kavush want to say Chanukah elu, and I will say that's why it has to end. See Chanukah. And Alanis ends with that extra phrase because Hanukkah has an additional dimension. Not only is there gratitude for the miracle, which of course there is, there's Hodah, which is an admission. The nations of the world have to admit that we are the true heirs to the brachos of Yitzchak Avinu. Why? Because wherever there is persecution and the Jew stands his place, the Malach of Esav admits to the Jews' spiritual superiority. An incredible, incredible idea. But I will say, but if you... You would think then, okay, if they're admitting it, then they would do it again. No, your kid admits he did something wrong. He never does anything wrong again. 
okay. people admit mm-hmm. things and they move on. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, you have a moment of cog- you know, cognitive clarity, then you, you forget it. I think, uh, to, first of all, so Mordechai stood his ground by Haman, so why don't we have it at the end for Purim? And secondly, this is going, this is talking about the B'nai Yisrael. It doesn't say that the nations of the world are the ones that are, that are, that are doing it. It's the B'nai Yisrael are, are doing it. So the admission is from B'nai no, no, that's his chiddush. That's his chiddush. Lahodos means the nations of the world. The Chazal established Hanukkah. Why Lahodos? Who's Lahodos? Who's Lahodos? The nations of the world. And then Ulahalel is us. The Shem Chagol the Okay, so what about Mordechai stood his ground to Haman? Here's the difference. Mordechai stood his ground to Haman. Haman never had intention to eradicate the Jewish religion. It wasn't a right? It wasn't a spiritual war. war. It, was a, it was a physical it was a, war. It was, it was, it was, remember, this is why the Mishnah Buddha brings down, this is the fundamental distinction between Hanukkah and Purim, why Purim, there's a mitzvah of Su'uda. Hanukkah, there's no mitzvah of Su'uda because Purim was a physical annihilation, so we celebrate physically. Hanukkah was spiritual annihilation. The Greeks didn't mind us. Correct. The Greeks were happy to live with us. Yeah. They just wanted us to assimilate. Yeah. That's a, so that's the Hodah. So when there's a push to assimilate and the Jew stands his ground, there's a hodah, there's a hodah's baldin, there's an admission on the part of the nations of the world that we truly are the heirs to the bracha of Yitzchak Avinu. Who's his riot of that? He's Rav That's okay. his riot riot of that. That's his riot of that. That's Yeah. So Esau and Ishmael were pagans up until they weren't. So Esau becomes Christianity and Ishmael becomes Islam. And even though they don't, they're almost acknowledging us because they're quite, quite Abrahamic faith in a weird way. You know, not right. quite, but I don't know. Just, so you think that's the Hodah? They're, they're, well, they're not, they're, not, they're acknowledging us, even though they hate to acknowledge us. Correct. Correct. Just, by the way, just like most people don't like to express Hodah in admission to someone else. Yeah. Admission is never pleasant. Right. It's I never hate, pleasant. I hate having to do it, but... And sometimes you have no choice. Like by Hanukkah, the victor was clear. They had no choice but to admit. But I will say that I think, in addition to the beautiful insight in Hanukkah, I think it also just gives us a new, a new, a new appreciation, understanding of the concept of gratitude, or I should say, of Hodah, and how Hodah is this two-pronged concept. Number one, an admission, and specifically an admission which creates a dependence. And according to Rav Huttner, that's what modim is. Modim is not thank you. It's not thank you. It's I admit that you're my God. I admit that you're my God, which by definition is saying, I admit that I'm dependent on you. And I will say, that's big stuff. That's big stuff. Why? Because the one thing I don't want to admit in life is that, I'm de- that I am dependent on anything. The one thing I value more than anything in life is that I'm independent but the first step to creation of a relationship with Hashem is an admission of dependence. And then something amazing happens. Once you admit that you're dependent, then I can give you thanks. Wow. Okay, now that I admit that I'm dependent and I'm not independent anymore, I am dependent and not independent, I see all of the incredible things that you do for me. I see all the incredible things that you do for me. And I can give thanks, just like Leah Imenu. And maybe Rechaim's saying, good. Once you go and you kind of get past the entitlement, right, and this feeling of that I'm not dependent on anything, and I recognize that dependence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, 
I'm able to see all the beautiful things. It doesn't matter what you're going to say. You say the same thing by tshuva, though. Rosh Hashanah begins with being mamlech Hashem, showing our dependency to Hashem, and then tshuva can only happen. A hundred. I think I think the beauty of this idea, but I feel you're a hundred percent correct. I think this becomes like it becomes like almost like relationship one hundred and one with Hashem. There's no relationship unless there is a dependency. By the way, I I, I want to tell you like. It's the same concept. It's the same concept also, like in other relationships. You know, like if a person wants to build an effective marriage, how do you build an effective marriage? I, mean, I, right. I have no idea, but I'm just saying, but like, I don't know how to build an effective marriage, but, but Lamaisa, one of the hardest things is you have to make yourself vulnerable to, the, to, to your spouse, right? It's the hardest thing. I don't want to make myself vulnerable because making myself vulnerable means what? Means what? I'm, I'm giving up my independence. But if you don't make yourself vulnerable and you like wall off, you, cre- you, you, you fundamentally like stymie the creation of a relationship. It's such an incredible thing. It's like, I want to be, be strong. No, if you want to have a relationship, you have to make yourself vulnerable. You have to become a dependent. A husband has to need his wife and a wife has to need her husband even though by definition people are inherently uncomfortable with that because I want, I, I, I want to be independent, there's no relationship without that. And if it's true in human relationships, the first step, I am a dependent. I, I am a dependent. Not in the, right? I am a dependent of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I admit that I am dependent on Hashem. Now once we got that, then I can transition to stage two of Hoda. And see all the beautiful things that he does for me. What a piece, right? What a piece, what a piece. You know, I read something interesting today, and it, I never thought about it, but the black Hebrew Israelites, and they're saying they're the real Jews, and we're not. You know, What's the, right? let me shut this off just for